Welcome to the Curious and Connected podcast, where we are hoping to connect students in our EDD program and beyond to foster a sense of community. My name's Leah, and I'm joined by my co-host. Monica here. Hello. And today, our guest of honor is Amanda Slobe. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is Yay. exciting. Thank you. Um, so our first question for you, we just want you to tell us about you. So whatever you'd like to share, work, personal, education, whatever comes to mind. Gosh, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the quick, quick version. I, um, I'm from upstate New York, a tiny little town, Red Creek. It's between Rochester and Syracuse. Um, I went up there for undergrad. And then for grad school, I went to Egypt and studied human rights law and forced migration studies. Um, I was there 2009 through 2011. So any, any folks who know dates know that's when, um, 2011 is when the Arab Spring started. And my last term, um, the Egyptian revolution was, was happening. It started, um, and everything I was studying was outside my window. Um, so after that, I came to DC, that's where I am now. And I'm working in the finance sector in cyber. And of course, getting my EDD through Vanderbilt. Um, yeah, that's that's the 30 second overview. Gosh, wow. Well, no, I'm, I'm very curious um, why Egypt. And, and that's crazy that you were there at that time as well. So we'd definitely love to hear more about that as much as you're um, willing or able to share. Sure, yeah. Um, I love talking about it. So happy to, happy to share more. Um, the so when I was an undergrad, I went to SUNY Geneseo for undergrad, and I remember sitting in my Spanish class, and my professor, who um, I think he was married to a Spanish woman, and he went there, went to Spain all the time. He started bringing students to Spain for the summer, and I remember just seeing the look on his face and just his energy. Maybe I don't know. Looking back, and I and he, whenever he he had. Um, spoken about Spain, he just lit up. And I thought like, I want that. And so when he offered to take a group of folks to Spain, I signed up and I um, spent a summer in Avila, Spain, studying Spanish. I mean, the town, they didn't speak much English. So I was taking Spanish classes and practicing my Spanish. Um, and I came back from that summer, loving it. And I remember walking into the study abroad office at Geneseo to drop off, like, you know, you have to, you know, want to get credit for, for the classes. And I saw this pamphlet, there was one left and it said study in Egypt and they had the pyramids and the Sphinx on it. And I thought, oh yeah, like I've always wanted to see the pyramids. Um, and I was taking some Arabic classes in undergrad. And so the program that I, I actually went to Egypt for a semester in undergrad and studied Arabic there all day. And then in the evenings volunteered for an organization that worked with asylum seekers and refugees. And that is what got me into that world. And um, it just became, and then I went back for grad school and um, it's just been something like, that's what I love talking about. That's my, that's what I love. Human rights, wow. refugee law. yeah. That was kind of my long story to that one. Um, yeah. And they have a, they have a AUC where I went, American University in Cairo. They have a, um, a really good human rights program, a really good refugee program, you know, unfortunately, I guess, because 
Cairo is a transit spot for asylum seekers and refugees and everything I wanted to study was there. Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, this is a little early for us to ask this question, but I feel like it's so beautifully weaving in. What do you have to do with all of that amazing background that you just talked about, plus this EDD program equals what in the next five to 10 years? <laughs> oh, um, a couple things. So, you know, when I got back from Egypt, I had an amazing opportunity to teach. And I taught as an adjunct at Georgetown School of Continuing Studies. And I taught international relations, but it was this underlying human rights um, theme, I guess, woven into it. And I loved, loved, loved being Professor Sloan. Like that's just music to my ears. Um, and since, so I, I do want to be back in the classroom. I'm, um, I haven't been as involved in the refugee asylum seeker world. However, there are a couple things coming out of this EDD program that I really, really want, um, like where I really want to be. And so one of them is um, before, gosh, I'm just pausing because I'm like, where do I even begin? Before COVID shut the world down, I um, was having some really deep and, and tough conversations with my parents about the future with my sister who has intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we were talking about the future and caregiving, you know, when, and, and the moment too, you're sitting down and you realize like parents are, are mortal and, and they're not easy conversations to have. And so on my way back from New York, back to DC, I remember sitting on the airplane crying and also thinking like there has to be a way for my sister and I, who's with my parents in New York, to stay connected. Um, and so I thought there like there needs to be a travel something travel program. So then I thought, well, there doesn't seem to be one after Googling. Um, and I want to create a travel program. I am creating a travel program for people like my sister and for us to stay connected. And I've. I did a trial run. I mean, I'm kind of all over the place with the story because there's a lot that's happened all at once. It's not really linear, but um, we did a trial run, my family and I and my best friend um, in the summer of 2019 to, and so my best friend brought my sister to me in DC. And the way that I envision it is there'll be a traveling companion who will take the traveler to the destination and let's say someone's bringing my sister to me that traveling companion can be in dc on their own for the weekend or however long i spend time with my sister my sister gets to experience travel adventure see where i'm living and then at the end of the trip the companion brings my sister back to new york and um it's come from like that that I want to be running you. It's called you have a visitor. So I thought everyone likes hearing that, right? You have a I visitor. I love that. Thank you. And it makes a great acronym. Why have? Um, <laughs> and so just a little plug, you have a visitor.com is, does show like the outline of what I've been envisioning. Um, it's still being built, but it's, it's, it's what mm -hmm. I see. And like just through talking about some really hard things and like so much love for my sister and there's like grief too right in different aspects of this um 
and being really involved with siblings like me who have someone in their family with disabilities, I've realized that like, this is just something that's, that's needed. There aren't a lot of inclusive practices, viable inclusive practices in travel. And so that there is that piece of wanting to stay connected with my sister, but also in doing some more research, um, seeing that there are over 25 and a half million Americans who have travel limiting disabilities. And mm-hmm. that was the 2020 stat from Department of Transportation. It's just like, this is, this is what, this is what's needed. This is what my heart wants. And this is, I feel what's, what's needed in travel. I could go on and on clearly. That's just, that's something I'm very passionate about. That is amazing. Like, I hope that you, I, I'm not a uh, lawyer or know too much about the legal things, but whether it's a patent or an intellectual property, something, I think you definitely should, uh, you know, look into the, whatever the legal portion of that is, because that is an incredible idea. And, um, I'm sure anybody listening would also think so, and hopefully wouldn't, uh, snag any ideas, from well, in, but that's incredible. It's in, it's in pro- like the trademarks. Mm. It's in, it's all, if that's all the logistics of that, is that log- not so much logistics, but like the paperwork administrative yeah. <laughs> is, is in movement, but it's, um, that's too like what part of why I joined this program with with Vanderbilt is I've learned so much that I can take and incorporate into leading something like why I have because um, I definitely like of course I have the passion I have the feels I have the love but also logistically like yeah how do I do this <laughs> well hopefully I mean we have a lot of well-connected and brilliant classmates too if yeah. anybody has support or ideas that could align with yours hopefully if they're listening they'll uh, connect with Amanda because this sounds incredible hopefully you know this program and the people in it can kind of help you reach that goal that would be wonderful and then, definitely, then, definitely make sure we call our professor slow but yeah, definitely. If you need any help on the on the ADA like side of things, I, I, yes. I, I, I deal with those people and those those okay. policies a bunch and the physical therapy side. So just hit me up. Let me know. I'm serious. Yes. And and the other piece related, Monica, the other piece, I think I put it on on the forum, but I also I want to be um, a death doula and that and not just a death doula, but also a place where families can look to for resources and assistance. So when the time comes or they're getting to that time with someone that they care about end of life, they can focus on their loved one and I can help them handle like what options there are, all, all the things. Um, and this came out of, this was before school when I had free time. Um, I took a six month course on thanatology, which I didn't know then, but it's the study of death and dying. And I took it after actually having a conversation, some hard conversations with my parents, because I was terrified of the topic. And maybe you guys, I don't know if you know this, but like I lean right in. If I'm scared, I'll just dive right in. And it ended up blowing me open in the best way possible. There's so much out there that we don't talk about and we don't know about the death and dying process and how to and how to really care for the ones that we love and take care of ourselves in that process. And so I think that is 
it definitely is related to what I want to do with mm -hmm. why have, and it's just like another layer of where I want to be really like of service to, to families like mine. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally relate to you. There is, um, we have faculty meetings every week and one of the faculty meetings, there was a reflection about, um, this, uh, one of our faculty members, her parents are a little bit older and she came across this website and it was something like see your parents or some kind of website that was in those lines. But you basically put into the website how far away you live from your parents and how many how often you see them in a year. And then it, it all puts this like hard and fast number like you have X amount of times left to see your parents before they are expected to, to pass. And she was like, I only I have like less than like seven times if I continue on the same trajectory. So it was kind of an eye opening experience of, you know, just if you think about like life passes us by so quickly. So you have to actually make effort if this is something that you prioritize. So kind of going right back to your thoughts there as well as unknown or un, untalked about topics that I think would really benefit the majority of us. Definitely. One of the things that they said in the thanatology course, which I feel like really resonated with me was um, one of the instructors said, we all have two lives and the second one begins when we realize we only have one. Mm -hmm. And that I was, I was just like, whoa, they're right. You know, so. I, I just got chills a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So our next question for you, it actually ties in. So you were talking about how this program and what you've been learning so far is kind of already helping you yeah. make these you know dreams and goals into reality so, so what's something that maybe not necessarily related to what you want to do but something that's spoken to you in um our course content so far um I was thinking about this too I have to say I did judge a book by its cover going into economics of HR and I thought oh this is not it's still one of my favorite classes so far and I think because so much of what we learned can be applied outside of the classroom um and then on the theoretical, probably the more theoretical side, I really enjoyed um, the organizational change and behavior class because I'm fascinated with, in case you can't tell already, the people element. Like, yes, we're talking about organizations generally and we're all people. We're all these sovereign individuals who have our own triggers, traumas, biases, all of that. And just to lump us into something and call it an org and then try and tell someone how to lead it. It's very, it's fascinating. And I'm skeptical at the same time. Um, but I really enjoyed that class, the organizational change in behavior and looking at something through the four different lenses. That was, that was really eye-opening to me. Um, and also helped me integrate the material that we were learning. I know that was kind of the point, but that also has helped. Um, I learned it really, I learned it really well, you yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Our program is called Leadership and Learning in Organizations, but there's no one definition of leadership. Like you said, we kind of lump these groups together, call it an organization, and then we're supposed to know how to lead it, but we're leading people and all these people are so different. So uh, definitely. And I think too, it depends, right? Yeah, it totally <laughs> depends. And I think it as a leader, it's not just like, how do I lead this organization, but also how do I what's my leadership style and have I looked at things and have I like what, you know, looking at yourself, your biases, your lens, your, all of that. It's such a, um, it's constantly changing. I think it's fascinating. 
Sure. Thanks for sharing all that. Well, yeah. I guess you kind of started answering our, our last question here, which is what does leadership mean to you? Oh my gosh. All the, things, look like? all the things. Um, <laughs> I would say, I mean, the first word that's coming to mind, which is not what it was when I first um, thought of that question is, is not just self-awareness, but, but also a uh, an acceptance or maybe uh, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And we kind of, I felt this way at our first semester in leadership theory, when we were talking about, it was our class dedicated to articles on training women in leadership and leadership courses. And it, and I did share in class this notion that like we're trying yeah like yes absolutely leadership classes I mean I'm in a program are great and let's take a bigger step out and look at the structure that we're teaching these leadership courses in like it might you know I mean just to like call it what it is like we are working in a very patriarchal society so are we let's be really cognizant of the type of leadership courses we're giving you know, how, how we're saying this is how you should be a leader. Um, so I think self-awareness, vulnerability, and we touched a little bit on this last term with Matt and org theory of like, people can tell when you are, are faking it, but faking it in kind of a, um, a curt or edgy way. You know, I think sometimes I have to practice like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing right now, but I'm just going to like do the best I can with what I got. And there's the like, oh, that person is just not being authentic. And so what did I say so far? Self-awareness, authenticity, willing to, to push back on what is, um, yeah, all the things. It's hard to sum up. So yeah, how did that resonate? Though a shorter list is probably what it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'd be both be equal long, equally long. But um, no, it's a great question. And there's constant like the things that we're learning. It's they're constantly challenging me too. And I think that's part of leadership is being knowing that we're human and things change and things come up and adjusting accordingly. Yeah, I think. Like you said, we learn a lot about what we like in a leader and what we don't like by all the leaders that we come in contact with. And that's what one of the things I find a lot of value in this program is you're only going to have so many bosses in your life, but we're in a room full of leaders and yeah. we can learn from them without being directly supervised by them or anything like that. So we can learn kind of things that either they've seen or how they interact with people that they lead. So I really find a lot of value in that too. And I think I'm learning a lot about the kind of leader that I'd want to be from the people in this program. You're a great leader, Leah. Thanks. Well, <laughs> appreciate that. No, that was a very sweet way to end that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So like Cal said, that was actually our last question for you for the day. So thank you so much, Amanda, for joining us. This and Yay. Let's, let's come back next week. Let's yes. Hey, that's what I'm saying. This is a long-term project. We could have part two, part three with some of these folks. Yeah. Life's changed a lot. We have two more years to go in this program. So this will not be the last time, Amanda. <laughs> we... I love what you all are doing. This is, this is so fun and fantastic. This is great. It has been fun. Thank you. Um, so yeah, to anyone listening, we hope you'll join us for our next episode of Curious and Connected.